Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hi, my name is Patrice Anwuka, and I'm a senior policy analyst at the Independent Women's Forum. This week, the Supreme Court sent shockwaves nationwide with its decision in support of a Colorado baker who refused to bake a wedding cake for a same-sex couple because of his religious convictions. Now, this is a win for religious freedom, but what does this mean for similar cases in which civil rights run up against religious freedom? We are so happy to welcome an expert who has litigated extensively before the Supreme Court on this issue, our IWF senior fellow, Erin Howie, and she's going to help us make sense of this decision and its implications. Now, just to give you some background, Erin um, is an associate professor of law at the University of Missouri. She teaches constitutional litigation and other topics. She's also a former clerk to Supreme Court Justice John Roberts, Jr., and a clerk to U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit, uh, Judge Harvey Wilkinson III. So, Erin, welcome to the program. We're excited to have you. Always happy to be here. Thank you, Patrice. (laughs) Great. So, I mean, this SCOTUS decision was shocking. I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, Now, before we get into it, though, I would love for you to provide some background for our listeners on the case and and really how it ended up at the Supreme Court. Sure, absolutely. So this case actually started um, with a gentleman named Mr. Phillips, Mr. Jack Phillips, uh, who is a devout Christian um, and an excellent baker. He has a, a bakery outside of Denver, Colorado. And one day, a gay couple entered Mr. Phillips' bakery and requested uh, information, inquired about um, him baking a wedding cake for their same-sex reception. They were going to have a a wedding, I believe, in Massachusetts, and then come back to Colorado, which at that point did not recognize gay marriage and and wanted Mr. Phillips to provide a cake uh, for that event. Uh, Mr. Phillips told them that he would happily provide them uh, with baked goods, with brownies or cookies, uh, that he would do a shower cake or birthday cakes, but that because of his religious beliefs, he was unable to provide, uh, to create uh, a cake that would endorse uh, same-sex marriage. So a few days later, uh, the couple filed uh, a discrimination claim with the Colorado Human Rights Commission uh, alleging discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. Now, the Colorado law gives the Colorado Human Rights Commission uh, the ability to sort of investigate these types of allegations uh, and hold hearings uh, if those are they, if they find hearings are warranted. So in this case, the commission instituted an investigation. Uh, they found that Mr. Phillips had consistently uh, said that he was unable to provide cakes. Uh, I think he was a very popular baker uh, for same-sex uh, weddings. And on that ground, uh, they uh, had a couple of hearings uh, that were then um, uh, Uh, sort of confirmed uh, by the Colorado Human Rights Commission. And what the commission found was that Mr. Phillips uh, had discriminated uh, against the couple on the basis of sexual orientation, and they made really short shrift of his sort of faith-based objections. Mr. Phillips claimed first that in making a wedding cake, he was using his sort of expressive uh, talents, his uh, creative stills, Uh, to create a cake uh, with a message that endorsed same-sex marriage and that he should be able to refuse uh, to create this cake based on freedom of expression, his right to free speech. And then he, of course, claimed that his right to freedom of the exercise of religion would also allow him uh, to refuse to bake this sort of cake. Again, he was happy to provide other baked goods or even other cakes, uh, just not for this particular ceremony. 
Uh, so at the end uh, of the, the commission hearings, uh, the commission concluded uh, that Mr. Phillips had violated the Colorado Anti-Discrimination Act. Um, it took a series of sort of remedial steps uh, against Mr. Phillips, uh, and then Mr. Phillips sued in federal court claiming uh, that the commission uh, had violated his right uh, to religious liberty. The Colorado courts affirmed the commission's decision, uh, and ultimately the Supreme Court uh, granted this case. So that's how we get uh, sort of the play-by-play uh, to get where we're at today. You know, that's really helpful background, um, and thank you for highlighting, like, the Colorado law at the time that this incident happened, but then also how kind of things evolved. Now, moving to the, the actual decision that came out this week, you know, we saw a majority of justices, seven, um, come down on in favor of Mr. Phillips. You know, please explain their rationale. Oh, absolutely. So in an opinion uh, by Justice Anthony Kennedy, largely regarded as sort of the swing justice, uh, Justice Kennedy, but again, writing for seven justices, found in this case that it was actually the commission uh, rather than Mr. Phillips who had engaged in in discriminatory conduct. Um, The court made clear that every person, of course, including gay persons, um, are to be treated with equal dignity and worth, but that religious objections to gay marriage are protected views. And instead of the neutral, impartial impartial consideration of a religious objection that you would expect a governmental body to undertake, Mr. Phillips' uh, case really demonstrated, quote, clear and impermissible hostility toward the sincere religious beliefs that motivated him. So in this opinion, uh, the court found uh, that this hostility was demonstrated both by statements made during the proceedings and also by the different treatment accorded Mr. Phillips' case. So during the hearings, commissioners made statements suggesting that if you are a person of faith, if you are a religious person, and you decided to do business in Colorado, you should be prepared to compromise your religious faith. Regardless of of what uh, the the issue was, you should be prepared to compromise. And, of course, the Supreme Court has has said something dramatically different uh, in Hobby Lobby. But the commissioners went even further. The court found evidence of hostility in statements uh, that suggested um, that uh, Mr. Phillips' faith-based objection was, quote, one of the most despicable pieces of rhetoric that people, quote, can use to hurt others. So based on these sort of statements, uh, the court said this looks like hostility, and they found this confirmed by the fact that Mr. Phillips' case uh, was treated much differently than the case of three other bakers uh, who refused to bake cakes with anti-gay messages. The commission's allowed these other bakers to refuse to bake the cakes, and this is key because of their secular beliefs. But they denied that same accommodation to Mr. Phillips, whose refusal was based on religious grounds. And the only rationale that the commission or Colorado courts gave for this differential treatment was that they found Mr. Phillips' religious beliefs, quote, offensive. Now, of course, uh, the, the government uh, under the First Amendment is not supposed to sit in sort of a judgment, moral judgment over various religions. So that meant um, that the court found that the commission had given every appearance um, of adjudicating Mr. Phillips' religious objection based on normative evaluations. So for that reason, the court concluded the commission's treatment violated the state's duty under the First Amendment. So this is really sort of, to to take a step back from all the the legal mumble-jumble, the court had found, instead of Mr. Phillips violating uh, state anti-discrimination laws, that it was actually the state who had violated their duty under the First Amendment not to discriminate uh, based on religious viewpoints. Wow, that's, I mean, 
some of the words that, you know, they highlighted showing the justices talked about hostility on the part of, you know, government agents pretty much and, and how they really denigrated this man's faith, um, I think underscores that, um, you know, uh, the separation of church and state, I think, doesn't mean that, you know, the state decides to, to take a um, take a judgment against any sort of religion, but really to be neutral towards it. And, and I, I think a lot of Americans who hold faiths, whatever faith that may be, will will really be encouraged by the Supreme Court saying, no, the government should not be passing judgment on what you believe in. Um, so I think that was really interesting. Uh, you touched a little bit on this, though. You know, what does this case mean for similar cases that are that are being litigated? I mean, is this going to set the standard for those other cases? Um, and, and I think the larger and the really tricky question, um, which I'm I'm passing on to you, Professor, <laughs> is you know uh, what happens when civil rights um, run up against religious freedom. Uh, I think in this case, we're talking about the issue of, of same-sex same sex marriage. But, you know, I, I, you could go back to the 1960s when you had folks who had who re- wanted to refuse um, service to, you know, blacks in this country. So how, how should we be thinking about these issues um, just generally? Those are, those are great questions, and one that this opinion uh, really leaves open. Uh, I think Justice Kennedy suggests that the outcome of any follow-on cases uh, will largely be based upon the facts. Uh, For example, he suggests that uh, a minister uh, might not be compelled to officiate a ceremony uh, between a same-sex couple um, because of the the particular religious nature of that and and the particular um, sort of official duties of a minister. Um, but there, there are a wide variety uh, of cases that can come up, um, as you suggest. And I think the court gives sort of two, two ideas or principles that might emerge. And the first, of course, is that every person is entitled to respect and dignity, uh, especially um, when uh, there are services being offered to the public. Uh, but the second is that we must also take the First Amendment very seriously. Uh, the First Amendment exists to protect individuals in the exercise of their religion, and if we're not careful, as this case shows, we can have government bodies sort of sitting in judgment on particular religious beliefs. So uh, I, I think you've got those, those two principles that, that hold intention, and, and we'll see what the court does uh, with pro- uh, other cases. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Now, I think, were you surprised at just um, how the justices came down in this decision? I mean, I guess a lot of political pundits were thinking this was going to be fairly evenly split and probably coming out against this baker. And in, instead, we see a seven to two decision where only two justice, I mean, two liberal justices actually c- crossed the bench, I guess, if that's the analogy, and joined with all of the conservatives in support of this baker. You know, what do you make of kind of the politics in this case when it comes to the justices? So it's really interesting. This case took uh, six months to come out from argument uh, to the decision. So there's probably speculation that there was some some work within the court uh, to sort of remove some of the heat uh, from this issue to come up with a grounds, uh, even if it's a more narrow grounds, uh, that could support a broader base of sort of uh, agreement among the justices. So I think you certainly see that uh, in this decision. Uh, and in fact, the, the grounds that the court lands upon, that this sort of hostility towards religion, I, I think there is enough there that it's actually surprising uh, that the court was not more unanimous, that, the, that there were not more votes uh, in a finding of, of 
favor uh, of the baker here uh, when you look at sort of the, the rhetoric um, used by the commission and affirmed by the state court. Well, I, I mean, I think I think that's a really great way for us to wrap up our conversation. I, I hope the takeaway for government agents who are litigating or deciding cases like this is keep your opinions to yourself and, and do not allow them to weigh on you know on of people's religions to weigh in on your decisions. So, Erin, thank you so much for breaking down this case um, and what it means to freedom and rights in America. Um, I'm super excited to read your new op-ed in The Hill um, that, that dives deeper into this case. I believe it's out as of uh, in, in just a few minutes, and we'll have a link to it on our website. Um, but to all of our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you know, one thing about this larger issue is that we're not taking a position on same-sex marriage. We don't. But we do think that no matter what your opinion of same-sex marriage, no citizen should be forced by the government to violate their conscience and their religious convictions. And that's something we really see the court underscoring. So we hope that you guys will join us again for our next podcast. Please check out our website to read um, Aaron's op-ed on this case. It gives lots more details, and we've got a lot of other great materials on our website. If you like our podcast, please tell us. <laughs> Go to iTunes and rate this podcast, like it, and share it with your friends so other people can also jump in on these discussions. Uh, and visit our website at iwf.org for more. Thanks, everybody, and we'll, uh, we'll, we look forward to tuning in uh, again for the next uh, topic on the Independent Women's Forum Working for Women podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by iwf.org for similar content.